3: Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this Saturday afternoon via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff and Mike. Uh, The Islanders ride is over after a 2-1 overtime loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 6. But I think you'd be hard-pressed to find an Islanders fan that didn't enjoy the ride uh, and isn't excited for the future. I don't want to use the word satisfied because they did fall short of the Stanley Cup. But uh, there's a lot of good feelings out there. Uh, after what we've watched the Islanders do over these last seven weeks or so,
2: yeah, I think before the Stanley Cup playoffs started, uh, you know, back in July when we first talked, I was saying that I w- a run would be nice, and and I didn't mean that in a in the way that we used to talk about the Islanders, like yeah, just get into the playoffs and and see what happens, but more just that that this team deserved to to win a few few uh, few rounds and, and prove – to the kind of, to the league that this project is, is working. And um I knew realistically that going, getting through either Tampa or Boston or whoever would wait them, if, if they did go on a run would probably be unrealistic, but just getting to this point, um yeah, satisfying isn't the right word, but it's just like, it is fulfilling. It's been a fulfilling season Um just because it it, it did open eyes and, and piss off a lot of people, which Like, let's be honest, that's kind of been the best part of this is that the Islanders (laughs) really pissed off a lot of people who we want to be pissed off uh, with with the way they they won games and and showed that like this 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 team is working and uh, who knows what what happens in in what's going to be a really weird offseason. But uh, we obviously have something here. uh, And that's, you know, we used to say that uh, as Islander fans a lot of times kind of convince ourselves in in like, Oh, I think we really have ourselves something here with, you know, Rick DiPietro or really have something here with, with John Sim, Bill Guerin, Ruslan Fedotenko and Mike <laughs> Comrie. Like we used to have to kind of convince ourselves to, and lie to ourselves, but I, it, this is honest to God uh, success. Like this is an honest to God, successful team. And and Barry Trotz before, right after he got hired, talked about, I can't remember his exact, exact words, but he kept saying like, Oh, in three years, I want to be a contender. Um, I yeah, I remember that too. I yeah. don't really think he yeah. meant it. Like, like he, this team's obviously take they took a big step forward in his first year, and then the, they took it a step further in his second year. The only the only step forward now to take is is into the Stanley Cup final. Um, and I don't think that's what he meant, but it's it's just been what a ride. I mean, he, to, to up and down the roster, like just really love this team. Like it's we talk about we talk a lot of this team this podcast about being nostalgic for for teams that lost in the first round of the playoffs or didn't even make the playoffs (laughs) Uh, this this team kind of just vaults itself right to the top right right with last year's team and and I kind of can consider them to be kind of one of the same which makes sense obviously when you look at the rosters but I mean how can you not love if you're an Islander fan love this team and and what they did
3: yeah Uh, we're gonna have uh, Arthur Staple our friend from the Athletic on in a little bit and, uh, talk about pissing people off. He's been doing that a little bit too <laughs> on Twitter. Um, but yeah, no, that definitely was, uh, uh, a, a, uh, an unexpected bonus of this whole thing is that the further the Islanders went, the more upset people seem to get. And, you know, I was kind of hoping they would push it to a game seven just so I could say, you know, the more you guys hate the Islanders, the, the, the more strength they draw from it, you know, like they run, they're fueled by your spite. So please keep it up by all means. Uh, cause it seems, it does seem like that, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it was uh I think it might have been on Arts last podcast or it was definitely somewhere where you know somebody mentioned that you know we hold that 93 uh the 92 93 team in such high esteem you know especially you know the the younger crowd because you know that that was the high point of the, of the franchise at that point I guess you know also the and also the uh the Panthers you know the the 2016 team as well but like this team has outstripped both of them like this team didn't get blitzed, you know, uh, in three straight overtime games like that team did in 93. Uh, it won, you know, one game uh, outright from the Lightning. They're the only team that's won two games from the Lightning <laughs> in this playoff run. So that's got to count for something, right? And so, th- and they've stayed together. I mean, I expect, uh, we're not going to talk about off-season stuff yet. We're going to keep this this particular episode to uh, what's transpired over there. you know, again, the playoff run. Um, and they're definitely going to be players that have played their last games as Islanders. But, um, you know, this team will probably the core of this team. I expect to stay together for quite a while. I mean, a lot of them are on long contracts, They're not going anywhere. And so this team has has, if not already has has the ability to, if not already has uh, stripped outstripped those teams that, like you said, like we've, you know, we've held in high regard. You know, the 2015 2014-15 uh, team comes to mind, too. You know, they were so great. It was so much fun to watch. Oposo, Tavares, that was the first year of Boychuk and Letty. And they made it to game seven of the first round and no showed that game. And, you know, we still think back to that. And this guy, these guys blew past them and then some. And um, I think there's going to be, you know, it's almost hard to kind of live in the moment. Although no matter how many times we hear Barry Trot say it, it's, it's a little bit hard. And I find myself trying to do that more and more. Um, but I think this is a team that will live on for a long time in the memories of fans. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's a fun team to root for, especially if you're not like, some Leafs blogger with a stick up your ass or something like that. Like it's a fun <laughs> thing to look at. And you know, the, I I was noticing tweets like you know Arpan Basu who covered them. Uh, for the athletic uh, in from the Edmonton bubble, was like I've become a big Anthony Beauvillier fan. Uh, Elliot Friedman was talking about how Brock Nelson and Adam Pellic and Ryan Pullock are really, really underappreciated players. So eyes were open. I mean, if you're willing to open them, they have been open this whole time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if anything, again, that's you know, that's it, it's not the main thing, but it's it's a nice offshoot that some people you know aren't going to see the Islanders as just sort of you know maybe Matt Barzell and 22 other faceless guys. Like, these are real <laughs> players who are really good. And can be really good for quite a while.
2: Yeah, I did think it was kind of funny that you know we we went on that little uh, tangent, I guess, in the, in our last podcast about why aren't people you know talking about these guys who were good, and then all of a sudden they did, and one of them was Anna Pelick, and then two seconds later he's out for yeah. the game, <laughs> and and then uh, yeah, it's just like it, that that was that was another like that's that's what a run like this will do is is that it not only does it provide you with moments that you'll you'll remember forever like the varlam varlamov slide and stuff like that but it also does like it 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 kind of puts uh the players that you've grown attached to in front of a bigger audience and that's that's such a huge part of like why when the islanders were bad for most of my life when they wouldn't be on e s p n and'd be like well you know like I want to get this Trent hunter guy on e s p n because he deserves like he plays so hard and he's their best player, even though he's terrible, like he's he, you. want people to start realizing the guys that you do love, like as players, like the Nelsons and Baileys of the world. You want them to start getting their due, and uh, and they did. And you know Pelican Polak for sure. And it, and it was nice to hear. Uh, you know, not just that their names sound alike, but hey, like, like let's actually talk about how good these guys are because they're both really good. Um, and and like even trots, like, and I know like Barry ends up getting. Uh, probably more of the like he takes a lion's share of the praise when when the Islanders are talked about, but it's so hard to overstate what what he's meant not just to uh, the Islanders as a team, but like to the Islanders Kingdom and it and to all of us. And uh, it's just the having him kind of steer you on this ride through like a, a really shitty time in the world is, has been nice. Like it's just he's he's kind of having him, uh, you know being able to watch him behind the bench and his press conferences, it does make you, you know, I don't want to say feel better about everything else, but it does just like, it, it does relax you a little bit. And, and he was like, this was a, in a weird way, it's, this is like a, a a tournament that was kind of built for him Uh because he's so good at, at control at, at t- telling you and mm-hmm. teaching you how to kind of just control what's in front of you. And that's mm-hmm. what the Islanders did until they met a team that, you know, just was, was too good. Uh And the lightning, that's what the lightning were even without Stamkos and Missing Point a couple games. And, you know, that, that Game 7 was um, – I mean, I'm sorry. Game 6 was, like, so – Games 5 and 6 were so similar. And the fact that the Lightning were just – they were better. And the, you could see the Islanders were just kind of – it's like it's like that scene in Lion King where you're just, like, hanging on by the end of the rock and just hoping <laughs> to God that you can get – you know, lift yourself up. And that's what it felt like. And finally, they, they pushed our paw off and got rid mm-hmm. of us. And uh, it was – like you, you saw the Twitter conversation and it kind of reverted. You could tell like there were some people who, who, who appreciate what the Islanders are doing. And then there are other ones, others who are just, you know, coming on in, stopping by to, 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 to get their, uh, their Twitter. Dance on the grave a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> their, 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 yeah. Their likes and, and, you know, retweets from the people that probably do it for every one of their tweets and be like, yeah, like, you know, it turns out you do need good players to win in the NHL. Like, thank God analytics are saved. Like, do, you saw like i saw that and i was just like i don't even it didn't even bother me like i feel like it would bother me a lot more if that game took place in like march of the regular season than it did <laughs> last night cuz i was like these people completely are missing the mark that this team just went on this crazy by islander standards run and they just ran into a better team like they ran into one of the best teams in the NHL that we've seen in in a generation like if you go back this team's been so good for you know half a decade um, and the lightning deserve it, and and no, and people are missing that that point. and It just goes to show you, like, how uh, you know that it's they they just won't ever get it. Like people like that just won't ever get it, and and that's too bad for them because if you couldn't if you couldn't see what was so enjoyable about about a team of Brock Nelsons and Ryan Pollock's getting this far in the playoffs, then you're missing the whole point of sports in general, which is like anything can happen, and and anything almost did.
3: Yeah, yeah. Jeff Merrick and Greg Wasinski on their old podcast used to talk about how the Islanders were sort of the next... They thought that the Islanders were going to be the next sort of nostalgia wave team to come about. So like the Blackhawks, for example, they were bad for so long. And then all of a sudden they get Taves and Kane and, and uh, Keith. And all of a sudden they're in the conference finals and they're you know pushing, pushing a lot of the sort of league powers. And it was like instantaneous once they won that all of a sudden Chicago was all about the Blackhawks and people were wearing Blackhawks jerseys and, and shirts and stuff. And it felt like the team you know got back to the you know the sort of popularity of the 90s when Ronick and Chelios and those guys were on the team and they were saying that you know the Islanders were kind of the next probably team that could pull that off and every day you know especially in twitter is a big thing about this but but even just in general just in you know reading stories and stuff i realized that that was 100% wrong <laughs> that those guys could not have been more wrong because if you can't like you said if you can't get behind a team that saw where this, you know, that has come this far, this quickly with this group of guys and not have some kind of pull and, and, and respect for that. Uh, you just never, it's never going to happen. And so, you know, that's just the way it is. And Islanders fans will have to enjoy it and nobody else will. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk about that, that game six um, and uh, you know, how it, how it kind of went down. Um, the big thing uh, right off the bat was that Adam Pellick wasn't going to play and it was, really early on that you got the sense that some changes to the lineup were happening. Somebody getting hurt, you know, you figure, I mean, they, they had played a double overtime game the night before they had bo- used both Boychuk and green. And you think of oh, maybe somebody's hurt, you know, Taves hadn't played all that well in the series. I wondered if it was him, maybe he just couldn't take one anymore. Nope. Turns out it was Adam Pellick, the one guy they really couldn't miss. Uh, and it turned out to be a wrist injury. And we'll talk to Art about more of that, more about that in a little bit, kind of really came out of nowhere um, and he was done, so even if the Islanders had won that game and game seven and went to the Stanley Cup finals, you weren't going to see Adam Pelic and you weren't going to see Casey Zizekas, who was missing from injury the game before. Uh, and so that was going to be a huge problem for the Islanders. But that being said, I mean, uh, this I didn't think they played that poorly in that game. Uh, Noah Dobson was slotted in, and this is a guy who hasn't played since that first exhibition game against the Rangers, geez, like
2: seven weeks ago. Yeah. And he looked more or less the same, like he always looked. Wasn't that amazing? Right. It it literally, it looked like every game he's played so far in his career. He, you know, he had one play where he kind of fumbled the bouncing puck, Hmm. but everything else was just so crisp. The guy is crisp and he, every pass is like right on the tape. It's he's, he's, he's noticeable on the ice. He's big. He skates really well. Like we talked about Chris Pronger and like, like, I think the past two episodes, we compared people (laughs) to him and. I was like this he kind of moves the way Chris Pronger did when when like the big he's like a big body but he's still smooth so smooth going up the ice you're like how is that physically possible um mm. and and I'm and, I mean obviously that's that's a huge uh you know comparison yeah. to make I'm not saying that but I'm he just like, the way he he kind of moves himself reminded me of Pronger uh a mm. little bit and uh I was so I was so encouraged by the way he played
3: yeah and I feel like he and Barry Trotz are going to be a fun Team to watch <laughs> over <laughs> the next little while because you know Trots is all about consistency, he's all about predictability, and I feel like Dobson kind of is too. Maybe not consciously, but subconsciously, he seems like a very consistent player, and and his instincts are good. And you you know that's the kind of thing where I think guys um can get better at it, but I feel like some guys just have it and some don't. Like some guys are good players, they just but their instincts just aren't there, and it feels like Dobson's instincts are there at you know, 19, 20 years old, whatever he is. So they went 11 forward, seven D again, um, Dobson obviously being in for Pellick. Um, but, uh, and they got off to a good start. Taves scored a nice wraparound goal. Um, it was nice to see him get on the board. Jordan Everly had that kind of redemption game. The game before thought, mm, maybe this would be Taves's redemption game. Didn't quite pan out that way. Uh, Victor Hedman again, this guy is just ridiculous. I mean, I can't even, I don't know if the stars have an answer for him either, but the Islanders sure as hell did not. <laughs> uh, and uh, Varlamov, he was phenomenal. Varlamov. I don't want to forget that. Cause you know, we're talking about him a little bit, but he was absolutely phenomenal in that game. But the one mistake he really made was just launching a rebound right onto the stick of headman. And he just put it right back past him. So they finished the first period tied at one. Uh, the, the lightning definitely had the run of play for the most part. Um, The second period, no goals. The Islanders had to kill off two back-to-back penalties. Um, This first one was a delay game off Taves. You know that nobody likes this rule, and it happens, and it's stupid. But they killed it off. And then, just as they're about to kill it off, Cal Clutterbuck trips somebody on his way back to the bench. Now that pisses me off, (laughs) like Cal. I know you're an agitator in this thing, and maybe that guy dove a little bit, but like, come on, like you can't do that. You know, delay over the game, over the glass, that kind of crap happens. And obviously, if you're you know hooking some guy as, as he's on a breakaway, that, that stuff happens. But that was a, a totally unavoidable penalty, a totally avoidable penalty, I should say. Um, but the Islanders killed that off too, and I, I feel like it's kind of lost a little bit how good their penalty kill was after that initial first game, which again nothing went right for them, but they worked out pretty well. And and even again, Leo Komarov is a guy who I don't know if any Islanders fan is happy that he's in the lineup when he is, but boy, that that penalty kill really does really did a lot, and I think that you know, if you're Dallas and you're going up against the lightning, I think you're going to be watching some video of the Islanders penalty kill because it was pretty effective against what's essentially an all-star power play. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the first line plus Headman plus, I don't know, whatever, Tyler Johnson or one of those other guys. And uh, yeah, I, I was really impressed by how they did and, and they ended up killing off another penalty late in the game. Another double minor uh, for high sticking. How could this, and I thought about diehard too. How could the same thing happen to the same guy twice? Um, wasn't the same guy, but it was the same team. This time it was
2: Andy Green. High I do not believe that. Like I, I just laughed when I saw it. Yeah. What else are you gonna do? Like it's just. It's just what are the chances of that happening? And, and and I think the ref. Like, I know a lot of people were mad about like the double minor, but I just I think the refs were just like I think we just got to do it because. Like, I mean what? he high-sticked him like he did. Yeah, no, it was a pen- um, no, it was definitely but, a penalty. Right. But I think the rest were like, you know, this this will never happen again. So we got it we got to just <laughs> slap the 2 minutes on with the extra 2 minutes on.
3: You know, they took a long time and Kucherov was like, "Oh, I'm bleeding." And the people were like, "He's bleeding from his nose. He didn't hit him in the nose. He hit him in the, <laughs> hit him in the neck." You know what? I mean, don't high-stick a guy with 23 seconds left in the period. <laughs> and you don't have to get into those debates and you don't have to avoid it. Um so not a great play by Green and the, maybe the worst part is that for the third period, the Islanders really had their best period. Uh, Trotz even said, you know, for the first 30 minutes of that game, the lightning kind of dictated the pace. But for the second 30 minutes, the Islanders really did. And especially that third period, they spent a lot of time in the Tampa Bay zone. They didn't score, but they were—they came out seemingly on a mission to extend this series to a seventh game. And, you know, going to overtime, you, you would hope that that would carry over. And then this penalty happens, and you're just like, oh, you got to be kidding me but they killed it off again. I don't know how they did it. And in fact, Brock Nelson had a phenomenal chance on a breakaway shorthanded and he went short side and Vasilevsky was there to stop it. He was very good too. Although with obviously much less work than Varlamov, Um, you know, the, the broadcast crew, you know, they're like, Oh, what he had all this room on the, on the far side. Boosh. I don't know why he didn't shoot there. I mean, Edzo, this is like a split second decision. The guy tried to go short side. I mean, what are you going to do? Like it would have been great if Brock had scored there. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure Brock is going to be seeing that play in his nightmares for a long, long time. But, you know, it's easy to look at a replay in slow motion and be like, he's got all this room on the one side and he shoots on the other side. But, you know, in that split second, he, you know, he tried to do his best and didn't work. Um, They ended up killing off. They ended up getting their own power play. Uh, Tames, by the way, took another over the glass penalty in overtime. They killed that too. Um, they got a power play, but man, it was, it was hard to watch. There was nothing going on there. Barzell keeps trying to carry the puck in. And I think the, the broadcaster actually made a salient point. Like the other team knows that Barzell trying to carry in the puck on the power play and they're ready for it. So they stack the blue line. You can't get past and they just cough with the puck. That's kind of a little bit on Barzell. Like he's going to have to get a little bit more creative. He's going to have to dump it in and go get it. And he can, like he, that's the thing. Like he can go get it. Um, but he, he's going to have to start doing something because that power play was that, could have won them the game. And not only did it not score, I mean, I don't even think they, they got a shot, which is really kind of sad. Um and unfortunately for Bar- Barzell, things would get a lot worse. Um later on he had Anthony Sorelli pinned up against the boards, puck came loose, Sorelli broke towards the front of the net, Barzell didn't follow him, and the puck came right back to him and he kinda whacked at it and it didn't go in right away. It bounced off of the far post, came back almost on a horizontal line, and then ultimately bounced off of the back foot of Simeon Varlamov, who had made 46 saves at that point uh, and just went in. And I think the only people that knew were the back referee who was behind <laughs> the uh, the goal and maybe Sorelli. And everybody else kind of had to get adjusted to be like, oh, they scored and it was over. And re- it reminded me of a little bit of Patrick Kane's uh, Stanley Cup winning mm-hmm. goal that one year in, in overtime in Philly, where nobody knew except for the goal scorer and the ref. And um, And that was it. And with that one shot, the Islanders one whack, I really, the Islanders season came to an end and Barzell was clearly upset. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why they lost that game. I don't want to just pin it on him, but again, I think he's going to be seeing that play in his nightmares for a long time because he was clearly very upset by mm-hmm. what happened. And, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be the end of his season right there. But, you know, for all things, all things considered without Pelic without Zizekas season on the line, I thought the Islanders played a pretty darn good game. The, the Lightning had a lot of shots on goal, but I mean ultimately the Islanders turned the tide ha- about halfway through and had plenty of opportunities to win. And like you said, just that was that was the game and the better team won and that's sort of it.
2: The uh I thought there were there were those two plays by, where the Lightning almost scored um almost identical with Sergeyev and and Andre Palat where uh Sergachev was just kind of planted right right on Varlamov's like left heel and and uh Sergeyev found would find Pilat and, and it hit off him twice and it just didn't deflect in. And I feel like mm. there was that was like the hockey god saying like, no, no 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 those would hurt, but we're gonna make it hurt even more the way that this game winning <laughs> goal gets scored. And yeah and I and I was so mad 'cause I actually I actually saw uh I had a feeling that went because, like it, it happened real quick and Sorelli just kinda of skated off. I was like oh mm-hmm. and yeah the cane thing came to mind right away um and Varlamov too pretty quick off and then I was like I just really you know I don't want to see this replay cuz something funky happened and then you watch it <laughs> and you and and I was just my dad was just like wait it's not in yet it's not in yet and you well, obviously you know it's going in and I was like why have I still watched this and then as the puck just crossed that line on the replay of so slow mo I just kind of crumbled and yeah um, that I mean it I mean, that's that was it like you, you, the better team did win and uh, the islanders just weren't able to to not only overcome uh those those injuries but also yeah a couple couple iffy games from 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 different players at different parts of the series and they're just never going to be the team to to be able to 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 kind of if if things kind of com- compound uh whether it's an injury or mistakes like if you stack those things the islanders just aren't built to to, to win many games like that and uh but yeah they i mean you you, you can't say that they played better than the lightning, but they, they certainly played as just as hard. And, and I don't think Tampa Bay would want to play the Islanders, uh, you know, for another yeah. 60 minutes after, <laughs> after what they put them through. And, uh, you know, we, we talk, uh, we talked last time about the stars when they clinched and how people were kind of lauding the way that, you know, they played against the Knights where they, they, uh, kind of just absorbed a lot of pucks to the net and Anton Hudobin was really good. And, uh, ended up winning and, and the Islanders obviously kind of did a similar thing against the lightning, but uh, you know, that, that style of course was, was, was panned across the the mm. hockey universe. But I thought that they, they did it in, in a way that was like, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't just sit back and like chase the game. They, they played hard. They, mm. they, they played that style of hockey as hard as they could and as well as they could. It just, it wasn't going to work out. And uh, there, I mean, there are a lot of players who were just so impressive from, from the beginning of the playoffs on and uh, you know, you think about Matt Martin, who uh, we, we talked just, you know, you mentioned it briefly about guys who just don't know if that's it for them as an Islander. And you think about him and um you just wonder like, wow, you know, he, he went out on his shield, like that, that guy, Uh that was oh, for probably, sure that was the best stretch of his career. And uh so that, like when you, when I was watching the handshakes and like just the end and you just see those guys uh and you're just, I just, you couldn't help but just think about how great, to to a man, each one of them are like just to have been to watch and and I'm not saying like flashy skill wise like like Nikita Kucherov, but that those guys, each one of them, just left everything out there. And it's so rare to be able to say that after after not only a game but a season or a playoff series, mm-hmm. like every one of them, even Barzell, who I think his problem was that he was wasn't that he was trying wasn't trying hard. It was he was probably trying too hard to make something happen against a team that sure, you, you yeah. can't do that, right? so so it's like every one of them like their their biggest flaw uh might have been trying to do too much and um mm. yeah they they all uh they all left it out there the islander fans kind of left it out there too it seemed like and uh right. it was an exhausting run but it, it was great <laughs> and uh it kind of yeah it, en- it ended in a uh in a fitting way kind of just a weird kind of weird bounce but it w- wasn't that it wasn't un- an undeserved weird bounce uh but it did it, it hurt enough to remind you that that it, it is you know it's not all fun and games with the islanders you, you, they mm. do they do end up biting you in the ass much more than, <laughs> than than making you happy
3: yeah i think that leaving it all out there kind of goes a long way to what we talked about at the very beginning the the uh fulfillingness of it i don't know if that's a word but i think that goes a long way to there because yeah they didn't get they didn't get punked you know they didn't go out and just get their ass is handed to them or something in that last game. They didn't, you know, uh, again, not show up like they did in that playoff series against the Caps a few years ago. They really did leave it out there against a team that, you know, again, quite frankly is better. Like, let's just, let's just be honest. Um, And, and it was, it was fun to see that the handshake line I felt was actually really kind of almost like very, I don't know. It was friendly. I don't know if friendly is really the right word, but like, Cooper and Trotz clearly embraced and they had a little chat, you know, before going on, you can see the players like really, you know, it felt sincere. Like it felt a lot, you know, a lot of times it's sort of like, yeah, good, nice work, nice work, whatever. Good, you know, good luck, good luck. But like there was a lot of sort of kibitzing and chit chatting and patting extra pats on the back and on the shoulder and stuff. And I do think, like you said, I don't think the lightning would have wanted to play the Islanders again in another game or, you know, another series or whatever. I think they really did kind of the islanders really took a piece out of them and you know maybe there's a respect level there that you know they they gained from this team that you know is is kind of on another level than they are and it was it was fun to see and as opposed to you know the pretty pretty frosty uh uh handshake line from the capital series for, for many many reasons obviously you know even the players in that series didn't seem like you know they were all like Hey, hey, good one. You know, I think a lot of them The caps were kind of like wondering where their season off season was going to go, which ended up, by the way, and leading to Peter Laviolette, who loyal listeners will know that I mentioned probably be the caps coach a few episodes ago. So, again, you're all well. But uh, it was uh, it was cool. And, yeah, again, like I said, like you said, I think that leaving it all out there was a big deal. Um, and and again, it goes back to, you know, what this team is all about under Barry Trotz and Lou Amarillo. OK, uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to pay for some ads. And then when we come back, we're going to be joined by our friend Arthur Staple from The Athletic. And he's going to tell us what he can uh, from his point of view, uh, covering the Islanders uh, throughout this uh, pretty cool run. All right. So come back on the other side. Thanks.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment. plus
3: our favorite sponsor is vintageicehockey.com, where you can get t-shirts hoodies and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos long island ducks new york golden blades new england whalers um there are some uh, texas based teams if you want to root for the stars in this uh stanley cup final or in some florida based teams if you want to root for the lightning uh miami screaming eagles is one that kind of thing if you want to Root, but not be uh, too ostentatious about it. Uh, You could also get our Lighthouse Hockey t-shirts with the uh, cool Al Arbor saying on it, and our portion of the sales of that t-shirt go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. If you use the code Lighthouse15, you can save 15% off your order. So vintageicehockey.com. Check it out. Uh, We are happy to bring in our friend, the Islanders beat writer for The Athletic, Arthur Staple, who's been obviously covering this team uh, the entire time, and uh, hopefully he's got some cool stuff to share with us. Hey, Art, how's it going?
1: I'm doing all right guys. How are you?
3: Very good, very good. We're talking about the uh sort of fulfilling season that the Islanders had uh in a lot of ways, you know. I mean, we've all you've been on this beat a long time and even you've never seen a run like this from this team uh so it must have been kind of different for you. Um I guess the first place I want to start is kind of at the end and talk about the injuries to Adam Pellick and Casey Sazekis. One Yeah, they're both kind of surprising, but the Pellick one really Whew, that was quite a, quite a bombshell that <laughs> went off just before game time. Um, what can you tell us about those injuries and uh, you know, how did you find out about them? And uh, what do you think the recovery time is uh, going to be for these guys?
1: I mean, it sounds like, uh, you know, surgery, uh, you know, in a six week sort of time frame. I guess we'll find out more when when Lou Lamorello speaks uh, at some point. Probably early next week, but um, yeah, the Pellic one. Considering that, that Barry Trotz didn't really elaborate on it after the after the game six loss, but said that he got hurt early in game five and played through it in a game that went to double overtime, and he played about thirty two minutes. it's yes. pretty ridiculous. And um, you know, it, the the concerning part, obviously, on a lot of levels, is Adam Pellic is their probably their best defenseman, which. Um, Maybe isn't the isn't an ideal situation for a defense corp. Even though he's a spectacular defensive player, he's not much of an offensive player. Um, but he's he was really their best guy, and and maybe it's because he hadn't played in so long because of his previous supposedly season ending injury back in January when he ruptured his Achilles in the little pregame soccer match. Um, but he's had some he's had some. Bad, weird injuries. You know, he had that thoracic outlet syndrome that kind of came on all of a sudden when he was just starting to get his feet wet as an NHLer. Right, plot, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, he's had he, you know, ruptured his Achilles and that freak thing. You know, kicking a soccer ball around, and then this is a hockey-related injury, of course, but it's a serious one. And uh, you start to you start to worry that a guy like him can he can he get through a full season? Will Whenever we have a full eighty-two game season plus playoffs ever again, or um, is he kind of destined to be a guy that that can give you fifty or sixty exceptional games, or in this case 22, 21 exceptional playoff games, and then not quite make it to the finish? You know, it, it, if they are freak injuries, that's one thing, but um, you know, he just he plays so much, and he's always kind of in the right position, and he's a physical guy, and uh, so you you know that's probably a little bit of a concern going forward. And as far as Ezekus, um, you know, Mike's friend, incarcerated Bob was out there first with uh, news of his his detached retina that needed surgery uh, that seemed to be confirmed, even though the team hasn't said anything about it yet. Um, you know, lots of things come up on the concern level with that. You know, Kyle Pozo had uh, something similar happen a few years ago, and his was was seemingly more of a of a genetic condition where he, you know, both of his eyes were kind of going, and and one happened to go before the other and they caught it uh and he still plays not at the same high level that he used to but um you know with Suzuki, another guy who plays so intensely hard and has broken a bunch of bones and, and missed a lot of time over his career he had the skate cut that he missed some time with this season um so you hope that this is just a one-off that some freak happened and and he'll be fine for next year but uh but you, when you got a team of guys who play as hard as they do and they're kind of grinding it out day to day uh, i guess you're gonna get more than just a few bumps and bruises and you got to live with uh, with the consequences of it all
3: mm. um I don't want to talk too much about uh next season and and your article right after the the uh, islanders loss was kind of the same thing like you know let, that those are concerns for another time let's just enjoy what what happened um but that said I mean just real quick i mean is it kind of uh, the concern for for Pellick and, and even for Zizekas, I guess, you know, you want to give him enough time to recover. Although we don't know when the next season is going to start. Uh, I mean, are those issues that you think that they'll, they'll address as far as depth goes? Like, I mean, obviously you're not going to replace specifically a guy like Pellick, but you know, if you can find a guy to kind of do some of the similar things and maybe he doesn't come back or gets hurt again um, that they can do sort of those kinds of things. So the Islanders don't, you know, it's not like a huge, it's not quite as huge a loss if those guys can't go, uh, you know, that they have a, a little bit of more of a replacement depth uh, on, on the, you know, coming up through the, the, the roster, I guess. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think the Pellick situation is a lot more uh, worrisome going forward. If, if he's the kind of guy that's going to miss large chunks of time every year, hmm. um, they don't really have a guy like him, which is, you know a compliment to him that he's such a you know kind of a unique player he he really is kind of like a Victor Hedman without the incredible skating and stamina and the huge offensive upside like he's a guy in his own end who when you know for the most part when teams are out against him you don't get a whole lot and uh and I thought he really stepped up his his uh skating ability really showed a lot more too in these po- in the playoffs he made a lot more Strong plays in the offensive zone. He was moving around a lot. Um, I just saw the confidence go really sky high for him. Um, And when you, you know, that's the reason that you don't have six defensemen who are that good. It's just, (laughs) it's very rare to have. So, um, he, that'd be more of a concern. And I, frankly, you know, they missed Sazikas for the last four games of that series. And I thought they were pretty good, you know, and that's a testament to how good John Gabriel Pajot was playing, um, how good I thought in the limited roles, Derek Brassard and Leo Komarov didn't, didn't kill them, you know, other than being on the ice there, uh, Komarov, at least at the end of game two. Mm. Um, I thought those guys were pretty good, you know, and I I don't think that means that Derek Broussard going to come back on another one year deal necessarily. But, uh, but I think adding Pajot really softens the blow of losing Sezekis. You know, if it was a, if it was a Matthew Barzal or Brock Nelson, that's a different consideration because that's your top, part of your top six and you need those guys for more offensive style stuff. But, but, uh, Casey, I thought, um, had some struggles in the postseason, and and maybe in hindsight, those could be determined, you know, a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, explain a little bit more why he struggled so much. Maybe this I situation was bothering him a lot longer than just right, uh, right after game mm-hmm. two. But, um, you know he did, He wasn't particularly good in the face-off circle like he usually is, and and Pajot was really kind of the go-to guy for that kind of role. Other than the fact that Sizikas and Martin and Clutterbuck were still playing pretty well together, hmm. To be perfectly honest, I thought Pajot between those two guys was a really good line for for a lot of those last four games. And and uh, you know Sizikas being a free agent after next season, you start to wonder now if you have Pajot long term, uh, can you afford to have Sizikas if he's going to look for a raise? Um, you know, it it does. You do wonder now more about uh, you know after next season a little bit, um, and whether you have those top three guys in there enough to carry you through with uh, more tr- a more traditional fourth line center. Maybe it's an Otto Kovala. Maybe you go out and get somebody on the cheap mm-hmm. eventually. Um, so you know, I, I I thought I don't I don't think it's think situations that are going to affect either of these guys beyond this off season, but, mm-hmm. uh, but they do kind of give you some thoughts about like, well, if this ha- something like this happens again, and those two guys have been hurt a lot, mm-hmm. how do they adjust well? And I thought up front, they adjusted really well. And on D, uh, they played about as well as they could in that game six. And you wonder how much they would have had left with those seven D going forward into a game seven or even into the finals. Yeah. Think
2: we the the, the, <laughs> Pe- the pelic thing, I think kind of comes down to, to Dobson too, right? If Dobson, is able to kind of step into a, a a good, you know, a sizable role on that second pair or that kind of softens Pellick's workload a little bit in next season and then going forward uh assuming the Islanders can could afford to keep him but uh the I think like that's a big thing is like you're asking Pellick and Pollock because let's be honest like Scott Mayfield and Devontae's weren't necessarily that great uh in 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 the postseason they had moments both good and bad and uh, if you, if Dobson is good enough to kind of push those two guys down into the third pair role, then, then you're asking less of Pelic and, and putting less, less pressure on, on a body that, yeah, like that, that has gotten, got beaten up. And uh, yeah, the Pajot thing too, is I feel like every, every line he played with, no matter who he was with, except for that one Franken line with, with Andrew Ladd and Leo Komarov, like he made, he made everybody better, uh, which, which was, was, was opening Cause you know, if, like you said, like if, if, if Casey is, you know, he gets, he gets, he gets banged up or, or if he walks or whatever, you have a guy who, who, who kind of just, yeah, he, Barry Trotz has his go-to trustworthy center. Who's he's going to take, you know, 70 face-offs a game and in do or die spots. So uh, the, the, the Pajot stuff, like it just, he, he came, not only did he come as advertised, like I think the like Islander fans were proven right in their point that like, yeah, he might not be right for, it might be, not be right for the, the New York Rangers to trade this, you know, capital or assets for, but he's a perfect fit for the Islanders. Like they got exactly what they needed out of him. And, and he's of, of all the players on, on the team, like he's probably the one that made me most excited about watching him uh, in a, in a more expanded role or, or just play more games for the Islanders in 2021, 20, whatever, whenever we start.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, you know, such a, it was such a transformation. It's, it's uh, you know, you, you couldn't really tell he wasn't, giving a whole lot away the first, you know, the couple of weeks that he had after the trade deadline, but you could tell it was weighing on him that it, this was the first time he moved in season or at all really in his career, um, signed a big contract. I think he wanted to try to do a million things every time he was on the ice. And in that Ranger game, that first one, he kind of did since he scored a goal and fought and got ejected sort of, and then came, you know, was about to come back in overtime. And, um, so yeah I think uh, I think the the pause definitely calmed things down for him and the the little extra training camp helped him and the realize ping that pong he, tournament. right well <laughs> we'll get to that that's am going chronologically here uh just the uh, the training camp I think made him and them realize like there's a reason we got this guy and I think for him it was sort of that uh, that awareness of oh yeah like I this is a group that I fit in with really well and everybody's kind of you know had a few months in a very unfortunate circumstance to to sit back and not not be in the kind of the spiral that they were in for the last couple of months of the season that he just sort of jumped on very late um and then yeah his personality kind of shining through there in the in the bubble um you know and that's was it, that's the, the bubble world is you know and this this kind of this media the zoom stuff that we've been doing all along that's kind of what you miss he he's um you know in researching the the feature I did on him and talking to some of his old teammates and his old coaches you know this is this is who he is all the time not just a clutch player but he's not, you know he, he kind of presents himself as a very serious low key guy in these media situations and even when we were in person he did uh, but I don't you know he's he's got a lot of personality and I think that that little video did a lot more for islander fans than any words that any of us could have written it was uh it really it really brought a lot of people close to a guy that they didn't really know a whole lot about and I think uh I'm sure his teammates probably felt the same way and and I you know just seeing him post little little tweets now and again it's very anti Lou to have a guy who who wants to express himself that way and I'm sure some other guys have it from time to time but I think that you know having that confidence to be like okay you know I, I know it's not really like smiled upon that much here, but uh, but I want to let it out, and um, you know I think he's already you know the, even even without the eight goals in the postseason uh, and like you said the seventy faceoffs a game he's already become a fan favorite just because of that stuff.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, you've touched upon it already, uh, just in in talking about these different topics. But are are there guys who you feel? Maybe within the organization, and again, you know, I get that you weren't in the Edmonton bubble, and and so it's hard to know. But like, do you feel that there are guys that whose stock has risen over the course of this that maybe you didn't see coming, and are there guys that whose stock has maybe fallen a little bit based on performance or whatever throughout this whole time?
1: You know, um I've certainly. Talked about it and written about it enough, just because it makes so much sense. It's really not a knock on the guy, but Nick Letty, I thought was really good in his postseason. Um, you know, I think he was a guy that was fighting something physically throughout the season and kind of a little bit of drift without Johnny Boychuk for a lot of it, um, and it just sort of made a lot of sense that with his contract and his 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 ability still being at a decently high level, um, you know, fans obviously. And Lou for sure would love to dump off lad or Johnny Boychuk or Leo Komarov, but there's a reason you can't trade those guys, even when the cap isn't flat, <laughs> but, but Nick Letty has some value. Um, the problem for him is that he makes more actual money than his cap hit for these last couple of years. Uh, and everybody's crying poverty right now as far as NHL ownership goes. So that could be a bit of a problem, but, um, I thought he played really well. You know, I don't, I don't know if I'd go out on the limb that Barry Trotz didn't say he was their second best player in game six by a mile behind Varlamov, but he was really good. And I think whether you can try to figure out a way to keep him and, you know, talking about Pellick, um, you know, you've got three guys on the left side or four, if you, if you throw Andy Green into the mix uh, possibly for next season. But, uh, but if you, if you're unsure of Pellick, you know, is Devontae's ready to fill that top pair role for a little bit? I don't think so, and not certainly not based on what we saw. But Letty's done it, and I think he, you know, he kind of rotated in there a little bit uh, in that seven D situation in Game Six, and he was really assertive. Um, you know, it's still he's been in the NHL a long time, but it's still a confidence thing with him a lot too. He's a really quiet guy. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't you know step to the fore a lot. He's not a big personality, but he's still an effective player. Um, and you know, so whether this boosted his value to another team that would really consider taking him without the Islanders having to sweeten the deal, that would help them get out from under, or whether you know Barry Trotz is very genuine as he's been over the couple of years saying I like this guy and I want him here, um, they're going to have to figure out a way to do it. It's going to involve dumping off some other people, but um, but he's probably the main guy for me who maybe exceeded expectations. And I think as far as uh, underperforming. Even with the game five double overtime goal, you know I thought Jordan Everly struggled an awful lot throughout this run. You know he had two goals in one game against Florida, and then I think three more the rest of the way. Hmm. Uh, and that's your top line right wing, you know. I, I, and I and I think the the part that that was more bothersome than not scoring because he did have a ton of chances.
3: Right you against know, you, Florida, you prefer sure, yeah. right
1: you prefer that to having no chances. Right, but he got pushed especially in the Tampa series. He got pushed off the puck real easy, and uh, I think that was you know. He doesn't make a a huge amount of money, but if you're looking for situations where you can find some cap relief and maybe improve, that would probably be one, but I don't really see a situation in the flat cap world where they could possibly move him, where there's a team that would want to fit somebody like that in. Um and uh, and the way he played i don't think uh, is encouraging if if that was the guy you decided to move you know uh if you say you want to keep letty well, they make the same amount of money so so Eberle might be a, a one that you'd choose to move but i don't think the way that he played there's be a lot of teams lining up for him
3: <laughs> yeah i uh, i just i blame that on the uh the the building i just think it's the <laughs> The, he didn't play started. in
1: that building very much. I think yeah. it's it's just city. the city. There's like a force field, like kryptonite around the city. I, I, uh, I,
2: there so. were, the the one guy who like I was just hot and cold on, and and he was someone who was who who I thought the world of going into it, and and obviously twenty games is not all that much to to hang your hat on. Was was, was Taves? Like he he just kind of confused me a lot throughout this this run because he you know he did have some some flashes, and he then he would have some really bad games and. I just like i I don't know if it's <clears throat> if you talk about like sweetening a deal like and and you can't it it's it, you can ill afford to give up a, a defenseman like him, but I'm just starting to get like a sneaking suspicion that that uh he's he his kind of play maybe made him a little bit more expendable after being completely untouchable uh in, in prior to prior to the bubble like it, he just really confused me,
1: yeah i mean he he definitely struggled, and i think. Tampa really, you know, Tampa scares people, that not just as some of their skill guys, but they're hard to play against. And I think that, you know, those third line guys and, and Paquette and Maroon, you know, it's like facing the Islanders fourth line. Some guys just wilt. I think you saw the effect that that had on some of the Philly D. Like, they played scared a lot of that series in their own end. And uh, and Taves was showing a little bit of that against Tampa. Um and really fumbling plays that you ha- you don't see him fumble even as a right. rookie. He didn't, he didn't do stuff like that. So it was, it was, it wasn't great for sure. But I, I think just in, in the cap world and in this flat cap world, this is a guy who, you know, he's a restricted free agent. If he gets 3 million over the next, you know, three times three or something like that, it'd be shocking to me. I think he's more in the two to two and a half really? range. um You know, he can ask for whatever he wants. I just don't know that, that he's, <laughs> Uh, you know, he, he is a little bit older too. He's not, he's not like a true second year player. He's 26 mm-hmm. already. But, uh, but I think if they can go short-term and low money like that, you can't, aff- you know, that's a guy who still can play 20 minutes a game for you with all the power play time. So um, I think it'd be hard to give him up and it'd be harder still to choose Letty over him because then where do, where do you make the money work if you're basically giving away a guy that you haven't even added to your, to your cap yet. So um I, I don't see it happening if it did uh, that would that to me would be a sign that you know that Lou and barry um, are sort of thinking that they can ride this you know this guys in their late 20s and early 30s thing all the way through another long season and i, I that to me would be a tough one to swallow because you got to get younger and you got to get cheaper if anything you know the the guys that uh, that they need to rely on more. Like you mentioned, Dobson, you know, if they're top four for at some point next season is Pellick, Pollock and Taves Dobson. Uh, and then you've got a third pair from among Green, Letty, Mayfield, Boychuck, um, whoever's left, you know, that's a D you can rely on for a lot of years. It's going to, the, the league isn't going to completely turn back to grinding and, and shoving guys out of the way in front of the net. You still, you still need skill and speed and that top four and as young as those guys are that's a pretty formidable one for a long time so I, I i would be surprised to see to see taves not be part of the team next year and if he if he's not then that would be a worrisome development for me
3: you've already made mike's day but by now for the second time mentioning green coming back because mike is the
2: leader of the Andy Green fan club so uh, his- it's just <laughs> more than I just you know when you watch the the devils for all these years you just never noticed him so obviously right. we never I never you know had my notebook my Andy Green notebook out talk, seeing like <laughs> how good he was at, at these little mo- in these little moments and like he was and and I, I know he, he kind of struggled like they all did a little bit against the lightning um mm. he I thought he had a good middle part of the series but kind of uh and I thought he actually besides the penalty was was pretty good in in uh game six but yeah, like he just—I think he's—he's he's, as Barry Trotz. I think the only one who likes him more than me is Barry Trotz. Is <laughs> and so I'm hoping, I'm hoping, uh, like hell that he's back uh, in 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 kind of that, you know, forty to sixty game role uh, in yeah. 2021.
1: Yeah, and if it's if it's an affordable deal, and I think guys like Green are not necessarily gonna, you're not gonna see guys like that end up with you know three year deals or anything like that. It's gonna be one year, and it's gonna be a couple million, and it's gonna be. Um, you know, there's going to be, if, he, if the Islanders decide to move on from him, I, you know, that's, that's the guy you say, is that guy going to retire? Because there just might not be anything out there. Um, you know, not a lot of teams have, have the kind of money, and the ones that do have money are going to be swinging big on, you know, the Petrangelos of the world. So um, it will be interesting, and I'm sure that Lou, Lou doesn't go out and get guys like that that he likes and has known for a long time. And then just say, thank you for your service. We'll, we'll see you some other time. And he's very much like Garth in that way. You, you never, you hardly ever saw Garth Snow go out and get a guy that wasn't, that they didn't want to have part of the program the next year, whether he was a free agent or not, in very rare instances. But
2: unless those um, guys didn't want to play. Right. Like, like unless, Carpet yeah. seven, and, or well, he was pre Snow, but Zendik. <laughs> right.
1: Right. The guys that just said, you know what, I've had enough of this <laughs> after, after a year with the Islanders. But, uh, yeah, so I could I could see it. And, you know, it, it's going to take a lot of shuffling around, I think. I think, you know, the only way he stays is if, if Letty is moved or if Taves is moved and you need a left-handed guy. Um, and even then, I think you'd, it's predicated on having a lot of salary moved out either in trades or buyouts or LTIR where you've got extra room to be able to have, you know that kind of guy because i feel like in this new era for these next couple of years andy greens the worlds are going to be luxuries for some teams and and uh you know i think the way that the islanders operated with him in there you know in that being the seventh guy going in and then being a guy you couldn't possibly take out <laughs> uh maybe that'll influence their decision going forward my, my prediction yeah.
2: with him is, is that he's going to be signed or or Martinette. He just would right. skate with the team forever, and, and then, oh, right, we're, this guy's on our team now.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if it a lot of it depends on Andy Green's ability to be like, nah, it's okay. I'll wait for somebody to make their decision, and I'll just be skating over here, you know, yeah. whatever, at the Devils or whoever's uh, practice facility, while he just waits for an opportunity to play with somebody close to his home, and, you know, that it's going to be to his liking, basically. Um, Just, um... I want to ask, I know again, like you, you weren't there and you know, you were kind of at the zoom calls uh, and that we would watch later on and stuff, but um, you've, you've known these guys for a long time. You've talked with them you've hung around them. Is there a, was there something like a noticeable change in demeanor that you noticed, or maybe in, in the way they kind of carry themselves after this, we saw, we talked before about Barzell being pretty emotional after Sorelli's goal, Anders Lee's, post-game press conference I feel like is going to live on for a long time it was clearly getting choked up about the the brotherhood and you know Paggio was talking about the brotherhood after he was with the team very shortly so is there like did these guys kind of change a little bit just in terms of you know how they they approach this game that you could see from just these zoom calls basically
1: no I'm I, I think it felt the same as as last year's playoff run I you know I think they if you're a team that really feels you're a contender, you kind of go in and it's not, it's not, it's not, you know, swagger to to steal a Jack Capuano phrase. <laughs> um, it, it's just, I think they just feel like you got to take us seriously. So we're going to take ourselves seriously and it, you know, and everything is a little bit more formal on the Zooms unless you're the guys from the stars who seem to have mastered the, the, the art of being themselves on the Zoom calls. What I think Hugh Dobin and, and Radulov have been there. They're, those guys, I hope people will get to see them on the Zooms a lot during this finals because they're hilarious. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as far as the Islanders go, I, I just think it's very, um, you know, they're around the most businesslike general manager that's been in the league for the last half a century. So I think it's just a matter of being businesslike, you know, Barry doesn't really carry himself that way, but, um, but I think the players sort of feel like, they were there for, you know, all the sacrifices that everybody made from Matthew Barzall on down to, you know, the PR and, and team services guys and the equipment guys, like you made a lot of sacrifices to be there and you wanted it to be a long, a long thing. Um, so I think they kind of treated it that way. And, and yeah, the zoom settings are just, you know, they're, it's impossible to get any nuance <laughs> or, or, or read anything into it other than the stuff that's very obvious. But, um, but yeah, I I think it's just you know the way that longtime fans kind of perceive the team as as being a tight knit group that they feel very close to because sometimes they didn't have a lot of fans sitting near them in the stands for all those years and um you know I think I think they they're a team that feels they're a contender and and they were two games <laughs> away from the finals so it's not <laughs> nothing to to make fun of them about they they took it seriously and they played like they
3: took it seriously it's pretty cool. Uh, it was fun to watch. Um, well, this has been great. All right. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, there, uh, I hope that, uh, some of, uh, the, uh, I guess Canadian media, some of your (laughs) own colleagues, uh, took the Islanders (laughs) a little bit more seriously now, uh, after this, uh, I don't know, that kind of remains to be seen, but, uh, you're out there doing, uh, doing great work, tweaking the people that, uh, chirp you the most, uh, I was telling a friend of mine, you know, why is a friend of mine was like, why is he chirping leaps bloggers? I'm like, cause they're the ones that are doing the chirping
2: back, you know, yeah. like
3: Tampa, Tampa people seem to be fine with this whole thing. It's the other people that are making yes. fun of them.
2: So. I, uh, I, I, I do actually have a, a question for you that it, this kind of pertains to that is, do you think that, that like, I, last year especially like the islanders were kind of written off as, as that was an outlier year or even like the, the the start to this year with their 17 game point streak like oh they you know they're they're islanders in their way to uh their the record and whatever they're getting lucky and getting good goaltending uh do you think especially with you know people are going to be all over the rangers jocks next year with the lafreniere and whatever else they're they're exciting team that can't stop the puck but that's to, who cares in this world. But uh, do you think that the Islanders will be treated skeptically or that people will be like, will actually buy into this success and, and kind of, uh, you know, pick them to, to slug it out with a Metro division that I think people are going to think is going to be a lot tougher than it re- in reality it will be with, um, I think, Washington and, and P- Pittsburgh maybe taking a step back. But where do you think, where do you think uh, that? That you and, and 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 yours will will kind of have the Islanders propped up in uh, when you know December or whenever the preseason stuff starts.
1: You know, uh, changing the perceptions of people that talk out of their ass on Twitter, I think, is not necessarily <laughs> the place that you want to like you know affect the most change. Um, I think people in the league, you know, I I think everybody who who reads Elliot Friedman's thirty one thoughts that are always you know Elliot is a guy who. Uh, I admire a lot because he stays above the noise very well and really talks to the people that are involved in the game. And you know, he had a—I think he had one of his items this past week was about quoting either a coach or a GM wondering how they can get their own team to play like the Islanders. And I think that's—you know—there's there's thirty coaches out there that feel that way, um, even if they know that the Islanders don't have the same level of talent as uh, as some other teams. Um, they don't you know, their fan base is a little bit rowdier online than some other teams, maybe. But, um, but, you know, I think none of that stuff is, is really filters in, you know, I, I always go to my go to on that kind of stuff is Josh Bailey, who has been on the team as long as I've been covering them now, which is going into <laughs> in my 10th year. And when Josh says stuff like I don't really pay attention to that he means it because he's <laughs> taken a ton of crap from people, right. and mostly Islander fans online yeah. all these years. And I think, You know, the bubble kind of reinforced the ability to to block that out for most of them. Um, and so maybe that's a good lesson to learn going forward is that even when we're back out of the bubble, hopefully for next season, Mm -hmm. that uh that listening to that stuff is uh is just such a such a exhaustive waste of energy. We're all exhausted all the time now with all that's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. I just sort of feel like um worrying about Toronto based bloggers or or Ardent fans of other teams who position themselves as as uh, unbiased observers uh, is just man, it's it's exhausting and and uh, and hopefully Islander fans who are used to having a scrap for every inch of a- of attention uh, can kind of block that out too and just to just accept the team is good. They've had a couple of decent playoff runs and a couple of decent regular seasons and uh, and. Feel confident about what's going to happen. It's going to be a wild offseason, I think. But uh, but if you trust the GM, who's the GM of the year as much as that <laughs> award is worth, uh, and trust the coach, who everyone seems to, that um, you know some of the right decisions will be made. Having said that, however, I hope you will all read my article that's going to come out on Monday. Uh, how this Islanders run affects leaf fans.
3: So.
2: <laughs> that's great. Oh boy, I can't wait. That's going to so be, you're telling awesome. us to expect, you know, six, six to seven games on NBCSN next year. sounds like, <laughs> I mean, the,
1: the new, that, the new national yeah, that, team, the new American. That's, team. Uh, that's not a function of uh, anything that's related to how good the team is. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think Watches. everybody knows that, but yeah, yeah I, I, you know, maybe, maybe they'll, maybe there'll be more of an audience for them. Maybe the audience that, that, uh, Fights about them, and you know, all claim to be fans will be more uniform in their support. Um, maybe that's too much to ask for uh, a group of Islander fans, but you know, I think uh, I think they've they've established themselves in some way, and I think with the new building coming, um, you know, maybe it's maybe it's and and hopefully all this nonsense will be behind everybody by October of twenty twenty one and. They can welcome as many fans as they need to into that new building, and the team will be coming off a, a third straight decent playoff appearance. It'll, uh, you know, I think there's also a, an aspect of does anyone who's a longtime Islander fan and has suffered through all the garbage of the last two to three decades even even know mentally what a good functioning program looks like year mm-hmm. after year. I, I'd safe to say the answer is no (laughs) Um, and it's not a knock on the fans it's just that's how your brain works right like you just get used to seeing something and saying well this is going to get messed up soon for x y and z and it
3: hasn't happened yet right so yeah it's been nice it's been a nice nice run and and like you said throughout all this craziness to have this sort of like you know distraction and it's and it's been great has been uh very relaxing and, and a lot of fun and uh Yeah. Like I said, I think we're all pretty fulfilled. We, we, we enjoyed it, which is, you know, it's hard to get Islanders fans to be a consensus on anything, but like when everybody's basically got the same attitude, like, Hey, that was fun. You know what? That was great. And I'm happy. And you know, we'll get them, we'll get them next year after a bunch of other stuff. Um, I have one final question for you, not hockey related, something I wanted to ask you for a long time. You're a big music guy. I know you're a big fan of the Arctic monkeys, if somebody wanted to start listening to the Arctic Monkeys, what album would be the best place to start? Because I only know one song of theirs. It's in a couple of video games that I play. And I'm like, these guys have to have more songs than this. So I want to go to the expert. Where should I start if I want to listen to the Arctic Monkeys?
1: Uh, I'm going to get the name of the album wrong because it's a long-winded one, but it's kind of their first big one. It might even be their first one of all because they were very young guys when it came out. But it's, I believe it's uh, what everyone says I'm is, that's what I'm not. And uh, that's a uh, that's one of those... like. Since I've been an adult and become much more of a music snob uh, and also <laughs> digital music comes in and you don't have to listen to a cassette or an album from start to finish like you did mm-hmm. when I was a child. Uh, that's one of the rare records that's come out in the last 20 years that I can listen to from start to finish and not skip anything. It's, wow. it's that good. and I, that's,
3: a, that's a good sign yeah
1: so start there and you'll uh, you'll chase down some good uh, some good rabbit holes and, okay. and wish that they're still they were still putting out music
3: <laughs> yeah well it's, so i'm always coming to stuff late anyway so like i come to bands a lot of times after yeah a couple of guys have died or whatever like you know they stop recording or they broke up or they can't stand each other so that's that's definitely not a problem for me uh but uh I, I don't know i feel like i've wanted to ask you that question for five years and i just never get around to it so now i remember it so there you go uh well we appreciate all your hard work this season we'll look forward to whatever you have for us during the off season i agree with you i think it's gonna be pretty wild this flat cap is gonna really mess with a lot of teams not just the islanders and man i don't know what to what to expect who the i don't know i still can't believe they agreed to this but it's gonna be pretty. crazy. Cool. <laughs> but uh anyway we appreciate it thanks a lot for coming on with us and uh, we'll talk to you again some other time
1: all right thanks guys great thanks, thanks a lot all right
0: plus
3: uh our thanks again to our friend arthur stable for coming on with us avoided a huge crisis here we thought we had lost everything he said thank god we have not uh because it was all gold <laughs> so we're all good uh mike and i should a gold brick as my friend Gio would say just now but uh we're all good to go um and yeah that'll that'll do it i guess for this islanders a uh, playoff run we'll definitely be back i mean as art alluded to and as we talked about this is going to be a weird off season and crazy stuff is going to happen so we'll be back there's going to be a draft in early october free agency is going to be around that time already the alex petrangelo derby has begun uh so that'll be i don't think the Islanders are in that obviously but uh, i think it'll be something going on so um yeah any any final thoughts on this whole run and what this has meant and uh what it's going to mean going forward
2: yeah, I mean it's just it like you said it is it's and we've been saying it's such it it's been such a fulfilling time. Uh and it's not over yet. Like uh this team hopefully sticks together for the most part and Lou finds a way to make it work and if you know I, I want to say thank God it's Lou in charge right now and not someone like Garth Snow. Uh uh not a slight at Garth. I mean, let's be honest, there's a lot of Garth Snow players still on this roster and uh but um you know, you just need somebody who's who's gonna be able to, to kind of handle what's what's about to come, and I don't really think that would be Garth's uh, forte. So I, I I'm I'm excited to see how Lou kind of does it, and, and it, th- at at some point in the next couple of days, I will start to get sad and about uh because there there are guys, there's just gonna be some there's gonna be somebody on this team that you didn't expect, and and this goes for every team in the NHL probably. There's gonna be someone who who skated their last game, uh, in this uniform that you didn't think. Did. And and that's kind of part of the reason I brought up Taves. Not not saying that I think he's I think his he's very low on the uh, you know likely to be moved list unless the Islanders are really need to get a, a contract off the books to make sure that Barzell and Polak fit. But uh, it's just you know it, I'm just thinking about some of these guys and there's a chance that you know somebody that we all love is is uh, is no longer on the team next year and uh, they're but they're like. It's it's weirdly, you know, we we thought that this Islanders window was going to be, you know, possibly a one and done, and then and then that start to the regular season showed. All right, well now we got to – it could be a two 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 year thing, and now I'm I'm pretty confident that, on you know, knock on wood that, that this team is going to be good for for quite a bit, especially if if um, Ilya Sorokin is as good as as advertised, and Do- Noah Dobson steps into the role that that kind of is waiting for him, uh, and all kind of early returns show that, that he's going to be quite a player. And, um, you know, the Islanders don't have much coming through the system, but there's still some things that some players there that, that could, you know, do a job is, uh, uh, you know, Art st- talked about Otto of who gives them a little bit more center depth as he starts to get better and better. And, uh, you know, Oliver Wallstrom, Kiefer Bellows, who, if you know, we don't know if, if they'll stick around because of the offseason, but just th- like there's, there's a lot more to be optimistic about, than people realize and in almost in the same way that we talk about teams or, or people not realizing how good the Islanders are. It's just, I don't think people realize how well they actually might be set up um, for the next two years, uh, whether or two or three years. And because so much attention is paid to the bad contracts that there are mm-hmm. a lot of good players on this roster and and, and they're not, they're in, they're in their prime. Sure. They're not like, you know, outside of maybe barzell Bovillier and Dobson and those guys like there are guys who are you know they're maybe on the coming they're on the other side of their prime but they're still in it like this these are good players who aren't just gonna fall hopefully fall off a cliff next year um so there's a lot just just so much to be optimistic about in in tangible ways that uh has never really been the case and um just you know I'm happy with the way that that things have like it ended it's just like how can you not be proud of of what this team accomplished and pushing the Tampa Bay lightning to six games. Like the Islanders were, I said it to my friend, we're a win away from being a win away from the Stanley cup final. Like that's how mm. far the Islanders got this season. Uh, and that's
3: a cool way to look at it. It's,
2: and I, and, and I really, uh, I've been hating when, when, uh, Announcers during the postseason, and even like watching the soccer games, like saying, "Oh, I really wish fans were in the building," because you know, you can't change it. Like it's not like you saying that isn't isn't making anybody feel better. We all think that, like I wish, like hell I was in the building, but I just can't wait for this team to to kind of play in front of a fan, the Islander fans again, because yeah, there were people at the airport yesterday. So like, what, just think about how how great it's going to be when you know we're back inside the Coliseum or UBS I arena mean, who knows when this happens, but like this team, this fan base is just going to show this team uh, some, some really passionate support and, and thanks and gratitude for, for this run. And when that opportunity comes, it's going to be great. So yeah, there's, there's just a lot to, to look forward to and think about. And um, yeah, the off season will uh, kind yeah. of, kind of throw some cold water on, on these good feelings because there will be hard decisions, but for right now, yeah, that's, right. that's how I feel.
3: Yeah, that, that's all well put. I feel a lot of the same way. Uh, you know, Sorokin's funny because he's been there the whole time, but he wasn't playing. And you forgot about him. And then you sit back and you realize, wow. So, I mean, they went this far with Varlamov. And Thomas Grice is probably another, you know, candidate to be have played his last game. But now they're going to have a guy who is younger, uh, by all accounts, better and cheaper. And that's going to be a huge, huge thing for them going forward. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to, like you said, it's, it's hard to not be proud of where they are now. And, um, you know, my thing was, and I I wonder, I sat for a while after that game six and I wondered like what to really say. And the thing I said was, you know, you just don't want this to be the high point. Like, you don't want to look back on 10 years and be like, yeah, that was a pretty good version of the team. You know, they, they did make it to that one Eastern conference final, that one time, like you don't want that to be, you don't want, this is great. And we all had a lot of fun, but you don't want this to be the high point. Like we want it to be like, they made it to the second round and they made it to the Eastern Commons final. Then, then they made it to the cup final and they won, you know, so, uh, that that's kind of where I think, and I don't think anybody running the team right now is lost on that. I think that these guys know acutely specifically what they want. And, and I didn't get to talk, ask Art about it. He gave us so much great stuff, but you now the Lou Barry tandem, boy, they're, they're, they're sharing one mind, and I think that these guys, you know, when when you're run by guys all up and down the lineup from the front office all the way down to the players, uh, and they're all sharing that one mind. Anders Lee goes in there too. Obviously, you could tell from Barzell too; he's on board. Uh, I think good things can happen. Speaking of um, of great fans and and meeting and stuff, I totally forgot to do this last time, but huge shout out to Nick Costa and the Offside Tavern. Uh, we all heard a couple weeks ago that they wouldn't be uh, you know, open, uh, much longer until the, you know, they, they stayed open for the, to the end of the aisle playoff run. And, uh, you know, we've been there a bunch of times, everybody listening to this has probably been there at least once I hope. And, and it's a great place. And Nick did something that I think a lot of us, you know, wish we could do and maybe have done in our homes in our basement, you know, in our office cubicle or something like that, which was create, a place for Islanders fans to be Islanders fans and to talk about the Islanders and revel in the Islanders and enjoy the Islanders and watch the Islanders and talk about the Islanders and, and, you know, that, that just hasn't existed before really outside of obviously NASA Coliseum or Barclays, even, even Barclays center. I don't know, barely qualifies for all that <laughs> stuff, but, uh but Nick did that. And, and, you know, he created this amazing place and I hope that this isn't the last we hear from him and the offside. And I hope that there's a second life uh, in it some way because, you know, that, that it was a special place and, and we're going to miss it. And I know that, you know, this is, it's been tough, man. I would, you know, being a business owner, it's been tough. This whole thing has been tough on everybody. I'm a parent, you know, it's, I got a wife who's a teacher. I got a daughter who's in fifth grade. Like it's hard to do school thing. Now I'm I'm working from home. You're working from home. Everybody's working from home and it's hard being a business owner in this environment is very, very difficult. And I mean, I don't think anybody, uh, you know, we know why this has unfortunately happened, and it unfortunately happens to businesses that we like, and the offside is one of those. And so um it's a shame again, but hopefully there, there's there's a second life in that concept and, and for Nick. And uh yeah, thanks for everything, I guess is really what I'm trying to say. Uh It was an awesome place, and we really loved
2: it. I, I used to, There used to be a running joke among me and my Islander fan friends that anytime we go into the city and the Islanders would be playing, that whatever bar we went into, that was the Islanders bar. And we were, you know, we'd ask for the game to be on, they would be like, What what are you talking You're about or whatever? Make
3: it the islanders bar.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And um there's a there's a bar and like kind of not, not too far from offside actually, but it's like fourteenth and seconds on the other side. But um and it was uh like this bar called Finities and it's a east uh it's a west coast bar. It's like a shark's bar. Hmm. And one night we were there to watch the Islanders and the guy we, we were like, you know, can we come in here uh to watch the islanders he's like yeah sure he's like but you know this is a san jose sharks bar and we thought he was kidding and he was like no it isn't. <laughs> and he's like pointed around i was like it's just unbelievable that here i am inside a san jose sharks bar in new york city and i can never heard of a new york islanders bar and then you know a couple <laughs> years later that uh, offside open and, and it only took uh you know to 2015 and it was great i uh i brought some people from work there a couple times and uh they loved it they thought it was hilarious and uh it, that that you know just the islander story is hilarious to them they're all people you know nfl heavy people from mm-hmm. from other parts of the country and um one of one of whom's from oklahoma and he's i sent him islander stuff so he's the only islander fan in oklahoma maybe but uh the uh <laughs> Matt donovan was previously yeah, Matt donovan. he's a big fan Matt donovan oklahoma. fan yeah and, uh, <laughs> but it's it just it just goes to show you kind of the the, the upside to me is it it we talked like last, last episode about lines of demarcation and, and weirdly the offside opening is, is a line of demarcation and kind of this process to bring in the Islanders and like this Phoenix rising of the Islanders is that someone opened an Islander bar and, and it wasn't, it was, you know, it wasn't panned. Like this was a great place for Islanders mm-hmm. go. And it was a place people looked forward to going and Islander fans and Nick made it their own. Like that was a big deal for, it's not, it might not be a big deal that, you know, to a Buffalo Bills fan that there's an Islander bar in New York city. But it, to an Islander fan, it was a big deal. Like that's that that speaks volumes of of, of you know kind of where we've come from and uh, yeah, like you say, you just wish them all the best because they did such a good job there and you know really mm. they they embraced the you know people always say like oh embrace the suck with bad teams like they embraced the Islanders like they embraced their good their warts and all and that's what you wanted out of out of an Islander bar. It wasn't like they were just some Islander glasses on like a Bud Light pint glass you right. know, hanging or around. Flag this was out front. Yeah, yeah, this was right. an Islanders bar. This was this place was it it felt. Uh, so it felt Islanders and, and you just, you know, tip your cap and wish them the best and yeah. Hope, hope, hope to God that, um, it does have, have a, uh, a second life somewhere. That'd be pretty cool. And if there is, we'll be there. Uh,
3: well, thank you very much everybody for listening to this, uh, supersized, Postseason episode thanks for listening throughout the season uh we've probably done two of these a week now
2: for the last six <laughs> or seven
3: weeks which is pretty remarkable i guess like we've joked before making up yeah, the last episode time. One,
2: 133 and yeah. and most of them have come in the last 3 weeks <laughs> yeah. right yeah, right half of them have come in the last 3 weeks uh yeah remember when we used
3: to do this once every 2 weeks that seems like a very long time yeah. ago we've done two a week now um you know we're uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break probably but again we'll be back for sure to talk about whatever off season stuff draft stuff Islanders don't have a whole lot of draft picks but you know they'll they'll be at the draft and we'll have to figure that out is the see, where
2: is soon. the draft I'm I'm assuming it's you know obviously it is virtual but yeah. like it's are they still are they, like, taking over the building it was, it was supposed to be Buffalo? I don't know where it was. It was supposed to be in Montreal. Wow, oh, man. I just not know. Where, I, yeah, that's a question for another I, time. But
3: I feel – you know, I just read something. And, of course, it opened with the whole, like, you know, when the Rangers take the and all that <laughs> stuff. So I, I, I may have blocked parts of it out. But I feel like it. it's just like it's going to be in Secaucus, like the regular gotcha. kind of NHL – you know, TV studio or whatever. I might be wrong about that though, but, uh, it's definitely virtual. And I think whoever was, I think whoever was supposed to get it this year is going to get it next year. Um, uh,
2: but, uh, But we'll have to see how that works.
3: But I mean, it's definitely going to be virtual, and the players will all be virtual,
2: so they won't get to like you know we won't see them all stand up. It's going to be weird for the Islanders to be in the in the running for stuffs like stuff like a draft and All Star Game.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm excited for that kind of stuff. World Juniors. I'm hoping. But you know what? You know what's going to
2: happen? Is that it's going to be like, oh yeah, we're going to split it. It's going to be cool. It's going to be a Rangers Islanders one. Like (sighs) that
3: would really suck. Yeah. (laughs) But well, and you know what? It's going to that. It's not going to happen right away because they're going to need that hotel up. So yeah. that's my thing. But but I, I'm 100% with you. Like, that stuff will happen, and it will be pretty cool uh, to see for sure. And it was never going to happen at Barclays. That's I guess a draft could going to happen at Barclays. But uh, the NBA draft happens at Barclays. But, uh, yeah, that was probably never going to happen in that setup. So, yeah, another thing to look forward to. There you go. Um, And so we thank you very much for listening. Uh, I'm glad, you know, hopefully people have enjoyed this and been along for the ride. Really appreciate all the downloads. Really appreciate all the downloads for Isles Buzz and PT Isles and and the viewers for Advanced Shouting. I'm sure I'll speak on behalf of Noel and Dan and Joe and everybody and Dom and everybody at Lighthouse Hockey. We appreciate your reading, your support, your comments, everything. Sometimes it got pretty tense, but you know what? We're all Islanders fans, and at the end of the day, we all had a great time uh, over these last couple of weeks. Uh, Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, The Big Lee Baski with two E's. So follow Mike on Twitter uh, at the Big Lebowski. You can follow me at Culture of Losing. Game one of the Stanley Cup final is tonight at 7.30. All the other games are at 8, but tonight's game one is at 7.30. By the time you're reading this, the game's probably over. Um, I have no idea who's going to win it. It's going to be pretty wild. Uh, You know, I saw the Stars dismantle Vegas pretty easily. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that against Tampa Bay. Uh, I wouldn't mind either of these two teams winning. Even Tampa, it's fine. You know, whatever they they kind of earned it. They're pretty go- darn good, but at the same time, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised or sad to see the stars upset them. But it would it would mean that we can't make any more Jim Neal off season championships <laughs> because uh, you know they will have actually won something. So yeah, the- what are the, what's the uh, what's the the betting line so far on uh, on these? This it's
2: series? actually pretty similar how the um, the Lightning were priced with the Islanders. So hmm. it's uh, I think it's like minus one eighty two for the series and 150. 55 for game one that the lightning wins so uh yeah, yeah they're like 60 percent, 63 percent chance of winning the series um
3: sounds about right yeah yeah i think so i
2: think it's just like the, the stars are a tricky team to beat and this the, the the lightning mm-hmm. are really good and it's hockey so it's just you never know and yeah. um
3: and and that's gonna be totally upended when the stars probably win game one yeah. with three nothing shut out and all shit. of a sudden everybody's like oh shit now what are we gonna do one,
2: one, one so. thing that is nice is like i i've i've like you Know we've been on Twitter so much because when your team's in the playoff front, like you got to see to make sure that Adam Pellet right. doesn't break his wrist somehow, you know, without you <laughs> noticing. Uh, and uh, it's been nice to like see like tweets come in, like Steven Stamkos is on the pregame mornings game, be like, ah, oh, that doesn't matter to me. That's that's <laughs> like the one silver lining here,
3: yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Now you can relax and just enjoy the rest of it. So, uh, but yeah, it's been great. Uh, enjoy the rest of the playoffs, uh, the rest of the Stanley Cup final, I should say. You know, not to get I don't want to sound pessimistic, but. We have no idea when the next season is going to start. So if you're the kind of person that might be like, nah, my team got eliminated, I'm not really in the mood to watch the rest of the playoffs and the cup final, you might want to because this might be the last hockey we see for quite a few months because uh, nobody knows when the next season is going to start. So it could be December, it could be January, who knows, but uh, enjoy it either way. And if you don't want to, I get that too. Uh, we, again, appreciate you listening and uh, thanks again to Arthur Staple and we'll talk to you some other time very soon. Alright, thanks a lot. Bye-bye.